The book of Ruth, we'll read several diff- uh, a few different uh, chapters in the book of Ruth, a few sections of them, but the book of Ruth, so it all the way back over there early in the Bible, uh, after the first five books there, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, <clears throat> we'll start in chapter one. Also, I keep forgetting this for a Bible college, I haven't let Sean know yet, I don't quite see him for a Bible college, I don't have the date yet, but I know it is soon. The seminary has to get back with me. We're going to be doing a three-hour block section for it. Anybody can attend that, by the way, for this. We're going to be combining that day with the seminary. In, it's, out, it's out east in New Jersey. I'm going to be doing a three-hour block on Calvinism. Um, and so that will be coming up probably not, not too far in the distant future. I believe that they're trying to get established for that. I let them know I was pretty much only available on a Saturday morning for that with our Bible college. So that's probably going to be taking place. On a Saturday morning or afternoon, they're trying to work the time together with their school so that it'll work, and then they're going to get me a date on that. And so that's probably just a few weeks away when that's going to take place. So I highly recommend that. That has become a major issue, really going back about 15, 20 years ago now uh, within Baptist churches. And uh, the, the teaching of Calvinism had a strong resurgence uh, with books that came out like uh, uh, Desiring God and whatnot by John Piper and different things like that. And so anyhow, it's certainly it's really good to have a strong biblical understanding when it does come to God's sovereignty. Um, and uh, you, we certainly need that today. So that will be taking place in just a, just a few weeks. As soon as I have a date, I'll let you know. And for a Bible college student, so that is coming up. So you can, we are trying to get it so our students know from like a 9 to 12, which does look like it's going to work out for them because this is, this is an East Coast time. So that's going to be, you know, 1 o'clock for them or so. And so we'll see, though. More to come on that. But anyhow, Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to read from Ruth chapters 1, um, 2, and 4. I'm going to jump around a little bit in chapter 1 of the book of Ruth. Again, I am in the book of Acts on Sunday morning, but it will be two more weeks before I'm back in it. It will not be next Sunday. It will be the following Sunday, though, uh, when we are back in the book of Acts. And I've already started that message, and we're right in a, just an exciting part. If you remember, we left off right when the second missionary journey is getting ready to begin. We'll start off with the dispute that's going to take place with Paul and Barnabas over John Mark. So anyhow, but that's coming up. Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to jump around a little bit here. So verse 1 says this. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man... Uh, excuse me, a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Epaphthites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They dwelt there about ten years. And Milan and uh, Kilion died also both of them, and the, woman was, and, the, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now, let's jump here a little bit to verse 14. What has happened was, after her husband has died, Naomi's husband has died, her two sons have died, there are no grandchildren, um, and she decides she's heading back to Israel. She hears there's food back there, and she's trying to, and she's letting her daughter, her two daughter-in-law know, just stay back. Verse 14 says this, 
They lifted up their voice and wept and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth claved unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Now let's jump down to verse 19. So they too went, unto, so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Let's jump to chapter 2. One verse in chapter 2 and one verse in chapter 4. Chapter 2 and verse number 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Ruth, Blessed, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to living into the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Chapter 4 now, one verse in chapter 4, verse number 14. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly do love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I ask your blessing upon the message today. Lord, I pray that you be glorified and honored. Help me to stay true to your word. Lord, I pray this would be a help. Please guide in it. Lord, help me not to be a distraction in any way from your word, and I pray that it would bear fruit. I pray that if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, that perhaps even this morning that conviction would hit, and they, that conviction would hit hard and they repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. There are, there are times in life when things simply don't go as planned. When life takes you a direction that you are not thinking it would ever go. Times when circumstances arise that you never saw coming. Perhaps it was with a wayward child that has just broken your heart and, and the grief is real. You remember when they were younger, how sweet and how promising, but then things changed and life went a different direction than you had expected. Maybe it was something else that didn't go as planned. Maybe all of a sudden it was simply a call from a doctor. Maybe it was the loss of a spouse. Maybe it was the loss of a child. But something hit and life did not go as you planned it. It certainly is important how we handle those situations. The truth is, I, I really doubt there will be one person ever that will go through this life when they're not hit with a series of turns. Things they did not expect to happen. In the book of Ruth... I was debating between two books, which really there's so many different people I could have chose for this, but I went through Ruth. We went through this book a couple of years ago. I debated going into the book of Job. Job is another example of a man whose life did not go as he expected. And how he handled it was incredible. But Naomi is an example. I'm going there. Back when we went through the book of Ruth, if you remember, she pretty much handled it like a lot of us would. She struggled at first greatly. 
In our text, Naomi has her life go a direction she never saw coming. She married this man, Elimelech. No doubt you can just imagine they got married. All the big dreams they had, the high hopes, they had their life planned out, how it was going to work. The future together, right there in Bethlehem, not far from Jerusalem. And then famine strikes. The house of bread, which is what Bethlehem means, all of a sudden has very little bread at all. Life just got much harder and more difficult to enjoy. Once the famine hits, her husband makes the decision without prayer to leave Bethlehem. To leave Israel. To head into the country of Moab. Naomi finds herself living as a stranger away from her own home. Something she never saw coming in life. This is a place she doesn't know. A place in reality that many of the inhabitants certainly don't like her just simply because she's from Israel. Her family is not here. She doesn't have that support. She never saw herself living in a foreign nation apart from the world she knew filled with paganism. That would be very difficult. She can't contact home to see how family is doing or get encouragement herself. There is no FaceTime. There is no three-day mail service. There are no phones. This is not how she saw her life going. But at, for the moment, at least she has her husband and her boys. But again, life is going to take another direction. Shortly after arrival, we don't know how long. We know we're dealing with a 10-year time period. Her husband dies. He dies suddenly, and you can just imagine the grief that hits. She can't go to other family to console her. She does have her two boys. But my, what a difficult time with the loss of her husband at no doubt such a young age. Now she is there, widowed with her two boys. As time passes, the two boys marry. They marry two women from the land of Moab. They have no children. That would not be as planned either, by the way. Then tragedy once again strikes and her life takes again another direction she never saw coming, not what they planned. Both of her sons die. She is there alone. She has her two daughter-in-law in a foreign land. Her husband is now dead and her children are now dead. You can just imagine where her mind is, where her heart is. This is not how she saw life going. By this point, as we're going to see, she actually believes God is against her. With everything that has taken place in life, with all the battles she is facing, she actually believes that God is somehow now against her. She is wrong. What God does in the book of Ruth is actually turn that bitterness into beauty. Beauty in her life and in the life of her daughter-in-law, Ruth. It really is an amazing story of redemption overall. But I'm just going to focus on one aspect of what we are to do when life doesn't go as planned. 
There are three things that I want to look at this morning about our relationship to God when things don't go as planned because it's important how you handle those moments and those situations. Because it's in those moments between your own mind and your own flesh outside of the spiritual battle that takes place that in those moments many can turn against God and actually blame Him for what has taken place. The three things I want us to see here this morning deal with God's power, God's goodness, and God's sovereignty. God's power in, boy, during those times, don't forget God. God's goodness, be careful of allowing a wrong view of God to set in when you are facing those challenging circumstances when life throws you a direction that you never saw coming. And God's sovereignty. It's so important to remember that even when you can't see it, God is still working. We see all of those in the life of Naomi in our, in, within the book of Ruth. So let me look at those three things here this morning. First off, when life throws you a direction that you didn't see planned, when something hits you that you did not see coming, don't forget about God. Don't forget about God. I read the first couple of verses of the book of Ruth here this morning. It dealt with the famine that hit. You had Elimelech, they're dwelling in Bethlehem, Judah. The famine hits, and he takes his family, it says in verse number 1, and went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. We're introduced here to this man, Elimelech. It's interesting what his king means, because he forgets about what his own name means. It means that God is king. Naomi's name actually means pleasant, lovely, Now, the time that they were living in the nation of Israel, not dissimilar to what we're living in in America today, was some dark days. They were there during the time of the Judges. If you're familiar with the book of the Judges, it's a book that demonstrates to us the constant horrible cycle that the nation of Israel found themselves in. And God having to raise up judges, if you will, to deliver them from some type of enemy that was actually allowed by God as a form of chastisement. What happened is they would get right with God, but as time would pass, they would get further and further and further away from God. And it would get to a point that God would have to send another measure of chastisement to get them once again back right with God. And they would repent and get right with God. And then over time, they would once again drift farther and farther from God. God once again sending some form of chastisement. God raising up a judge when they beg God for his help and beg God for... God, we were in wrong. We see where we drifted from you. We need your help. And God once again, faithful God, would send a judge in to deliver them. They would be so excited for a time, but then drift. Do you know how important it is you handle those everyday moments in life? Don't take them for granted. You need the strength. When everything's calm and everything's normal, you need that strength to begin... Uh, 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 saving up, if you will, for the day when life throws you those turns that you're not expecting. Don't think when you get up in the morning that you don't need that walk with God, that you don't need that time in prayer, that you don't need that time in God's Word, because you do. Don't think it's all right. Well, I, I, could, just, I could just miss church. I mean, this is the institution that the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, has started, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, that doesn't mean, if if you're not familiar with that text, it doesn't mean making us perfect and sinless. By no means, that's not possible. 
It means growing us up so we're in a place where we can honor God. Now, as a church, that's what we want to do. We want to, we number one, glorify God with this local institution right here that God has given. Through biblical preaching, through even the honoring music that needs to honor Christ first and foremost. And so th- that's the time frame of when Naomi and Elimelech are alive. There's a lack of godly leadership in their nation. There's a lack of examples. It was a time that is described in the book of Judges when everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. Is that not the day we live in right now? Relative morality. You get to choose what's right for you. Wow. It's a dangerous time to live. And so that's, that's the setting of what it was like living in Bethlehem at this time. There's a lack of genuine spiritual leadership. There's this cycle of a mixture of being right with God to drifting from him to even getting into paganism and idolatry to getting back right. A time when everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. Listen, if that's right for you in your heart, that's what you should do. That's horrible. Because if there is a God, and there is, then he determines what's right and wrong because he's the creator, not you. While they're there, a famine hits. This is the very first circumstance that we're told of in the life of Elimelech and Naomi of what they didn't see coming, this famine. Certainly that would be, I mean, they have two children. You could imagine just how frightening that would be. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, our country, well, really the world for that, for that part, fear took over the world when you had a disease strike that was killing less than 1%. And fear took over. Could you imagine an actual famine hitting where it's not less than 1% that are dying? When it's 10%, 12%, 12%, 15%, 20%, 22%. We don't see Elimelech going to God when the famine hits. Certainly God has power to help. He has power to meet the needs that are there. God has wisdom to give. But Elimelech forgot about God in the moment. He forgot again, as I said, his name means God is king. To be able to go to him with the need and with help, what do we do? We need your wisdom. So often we can have the knowledge of God. Bible truth even. But it's just head knowledge. And in the moments when we need it, we fail to act upon it. When the famine hits, he seems to forget about God's power in the situation. And we have a danger of forgetting God when things don't go as planned. Because we can then try and take things into our own hands to solve those moments. And that's true. That's our nature. That's what we're going to do. We see that instead of going to God, we're going to figure this out. This is what I have to do. And so often, it's the wrong decision. 
Fear can take over. Uncertainty can creep in. Again, it's in these times that our faith is measured. So often when life throws us a direction we did not see coming. And then we try to take whatever's taking place into our own hands. Many times we find ourselves in a Moab or in Egypt. We head the wrong direction. We think that's the answer. We can see immediate relief if I go this direction without thinking about the spiritual or long-term consequences on your life. Decisions that will affect you and your family. When things hit that you don't expect, the right move to make is to go to God and wait on Him. Asking God for the wisdom, for the direction. I'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. You go to God. Don't forget about Him. He has the answer. Much like in our day, as what would have taken place during the time of the judges, there was a time when, when people had trouble associating faith with reality, if you will. It was almost... It was almost you know, they looked. At, you would almost look at the God's word as many times as the case too often today, just as a storybook instead of reality. As it's just maybe some good principles and things to think upon, but the idea of the Creator of the universe actually directing and working in your life, we seem to fail to actually believe. So Elimelech, what he did was, when it hit, without going to God, he takes off for Moab. And by the way, if you'll notice, he had left. But God did work in the situation and bread was restored. Number two, this one's, this one's big. This comes to Naomi. Don't forget God's goodness. Be careful of a wrong view of God. Look at verse 13. This is Naomi speaking. This is after, of course, her husband and her children, her two boys, have died. Verse 13, she says, Would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them, uh, stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes. Now, get this, this is what she says. That the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. In verse 20, she says this. And she said unto the missus back in Bethlehem when she returned, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. Bitter. For the Almighty have dealt very bitterly with me. We see something that's taken place. We get into chapter 2. It, it's, it, it, you can see it's so prevalent in her life. All of a sudden, because of the events that hit, she allowed a wrong view of God to take hold of her mind. She truly believed God was against her. With all the tragedy, all that she was facing, she concluded God must be against me. 
Something Job and his friends tried to get him to see. Job was the one saying, I know, I, I don't understand all this. I don't understand all that's going on. His friends, well, God must be against you. His wife telling him that. All, all those things against him. Yet Job still maintained the hope. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Naomi heading back to Israel. After her sons are killed, tells both of her daughter-in-law, just stay here. I'm heading back. You see how God is dealing with me. You don't want to be around me. Look at how God has been going against me. You need to stay here, serve your gods. I'm heading out. You can just see Naomi sort of looking back and all that transpired in her life. Grief and sorrow hitting her. This is not how she thought life would go. And in her mind, in those thoughts, a seed got planted. Oh, would it have ramifications? God is against me. When she thought on all that happened, or she came to a very wrong conclusion that many people do. She now had a wrong view of God. The tragedies have led her to hurt and grief. And we can get to that point where we believe God is against us or He doesn't care. It's a dangerous place to be. Because it's in that place which you begin to remove without even realizing it. You are removing the very source of your hope in the situation. You are turning from the answer. Because if you actually begin to believe that God is against you, hope will be gone. With God, there is always hope. You know, you can think of the different examples on Scripture where God has always intervened when everything looked hopeless. No, we are to walk by faith. God will purposely throw things in our life that put us in a position of the privilege to walk by faith. Think of David on the cliffside. You know, he's on the cliffside, whether it's in the wilderness of Engedi, and he's there and being surrounded and surrounded by the army, and it appears as if this is it. There is literally no way out now. Army of thousands have surrounded him and are closing in. And then all of a sudden, they leave. They just turn around. They left. David didn't even know what had happened yet. But, of course, King Saul had gotten word about an invasion of the Philistines, and so he had to pull the army out to protect the nation. Ask the blind man in John chapter 9. Ask him as he's crying out for that healing. The man that was born blind. And yet here's Christ, again, really on his way to the cross by John chapter 9 already. 
It's just weeks away at that point. Hears that the Lord is near, and the Lord, of course, heals him. Or Daniel, when he's thrown in the den of lions. Listen, with God, there is always hope. Don't allow those situations in life that you did not expect coming, where it changes your view of God. You run the risk of bitterness beginning to set in in your life when this happens. Bitterness will take over and it will completely run your life. You will see everything through the eyes of bitterness. That's a dangerous place to be. I've told this story before, but boy, does it fit. There are many times when, even in everyday circumstances, we're going to deal with that. When life throws you curves, it's so important how you respond. The devil can get you. Let's say you weren't right with God that day. You're, you're not in your devotions. Maybe you haven't been for weeks. And all of a sudden, something hits you. You no longer have the spiritual power to respond right. Sunday morning, getting up, leaving for, uh, leaving for uh, the village. We get in the car and leaving. It's already, you know, by 9 a.m. getting in that thing. It was probably already literally 90-some degrees outside, as it was every Sunday morning. Bright and sunny out. We head out. We get to the first bridge. It's just a kilometer or two away from the house. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing a really bad noise. And I'm like, oh, no. Get out. I go to check the Land Cruiser. I knew it was near the, the, the back passenger side. I'm looking up underneath there. And sure enough, I can see the problem. And I'm like, ah. And I thought, well, I think I, think I can... I think I can fix this. But then all of a sudden, while I'm looking at it, this is a Sunday morning. I have two, both works I'm still preaching at. The work in Sohon and in the village of Kudukudu. While I'm on my knees underneath looking at it, determining, okay, can I get this fixed? And I think I could. It was a stabilizer bar. But while I'm looking at it, all of a sudden, that tire that's right there starts going flat. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so I quickly turn around and get it back up to my house. And I said, you know what? I got the old white truck. I'll take that if I have the fuel for it. And so I go back and I'm looking for the fuel. I fuel for the generator. I have enough fuel from the generator. But then I have another problem. I always, I always travel with two spares. I went through tires like crazy there. So I travel two spares all the time. There, I don't know how many times I needed both spares, multitude of occasions. And so, and the tires on the white truck, my kids will tell you, they're so smooth and worn out, you can pretty much use the black tire as a mirror. There's just nothing left on them at all. And I'm looking, and I only have one spare, and it's not that good. I'm like, I'm probably going to go through at least two tires. And, but I had to feel somebody turn, and I said, nope, I need to go. So we put the fuel in from the generator, we put that, the old spare, and we get in the white truck, and we head out. We head out, we get about three-quarters of the way there, flat tire. Okay, I'm going to stay calm. I change the, change the tire in the 100, now it's over 100 degrees weather. Uh, I am covered in dirt and sweat from changing the tire. And Marion had said, let's just, let's just turn around and go back today. Let's just turn around and go back. I said, no, no, we're going to go. I'd already missed the first work, um, but Brother James already had training for years at this point. He had already preached, so I'm going on to the second one in Kudu Kudu. I'm the only one that preaches there. And so, so we determined to go on. I go a little bit further after I get the tire change, and the engine just dies. Very frustrating. 
this is not how I saw my morning going. Does God not know that I'm trying to do his work here? Note, I could have thought he's fighting everything I'm doing. I'm done. He doesn't want me there. He doesn't want to take care of me to get in there. Then I'm not going. So the way the engine died, I come across it before. I thought that there's, it's, all the engines there are diesel. There's this little fuel filter from the injector that goes in. I said, you know, it seems like that little injector thing might be clogged. It's this little Allen wrench thing. So I get it off. And sure enough, that thing was clogged. I start it up and I start to go. And a man named Stephen, who I knew, popped right out of the bush heading to the river to wash. And so I stopped. I, I wasn't going two miles an hour yet when he came out of the bush to head to the river to wash. And so I, I, I stopped him. He said, called Stephen over. I said, Stephen, why don't you come to church with me this morning? And Stephen had his, his towel back, uh, his towel around his shoulder there and, and just his shorts on. I said, I said, why don't you come with me? So he said, I will. And he jumped in the back of the truck and he went to church with me. So let's fast forward. I'm just about done preaching. I can see Stephen just sitting on the edge of the pew, just listening to every word. I get to the time of the invitation, and one man puts his hand up asking for me to talk with him about salvation. Guess who it was? Stephen. I take Stephen to the side, and I go over the gospel with him, and he's just in tears. And he puts his faith in Christ right there that morning. Then afterwards, I told him all that the Lord did to get me at that moment when you would pop out of the bush. Right there. He just cried again. Both of us did. None of those moments meant that God was against me. None of them. Boy, but if you allow those thoughts to come in when you are facing those moments of difficulty and you begin to think God is against me, he just, he's just not helped. You have it wrong. He's the answer to it. We live in a sin-cursed earth. Listen, I, I, sometimes the devil's good at trying to make us, our, our thoughts so convoluted that we think this thing is difficult. It isn't. We're going to face a lot of trials and a lot of struggles. God never promises that those are not going to exist. Never. Quit blaming him for something he's never promised you. But what he does promise and he does do a great job of is helping you through it when you trust him. Do you understand how much the devil would love to distort your thinking of God? Paint him as somehow against you. Listen, when life hits hard, the answer is God. Don't blame him. Don't turn from him. And many times, the truth is this, because we have flesh, it's sometimes during those difficulties that, and, and this, is, this, is, this isn't true of all by any means. It's true of percentage, though. That we use those times as an excuse to give into our flesh. So, oh, I get to blame God for this. Because you just want to do what you want to do. The truth is, trials come. Sin has made a mess of things in this world and in our lives. It's true of all of us. As a result of that, we will face difficult circumstances. But the answer is God. 
He has the grace we need to make it. He has the strength we need to press on. You might say, but you don't understand. I've already made the wrong decision. I've went into Moab. I shouldn't have. I turned from God. I got news for you. Just read the story of the prodigal son. The father didn't go to the mud pit. But make no mistake, when that son repented, the father was waiting. He was waiting. That's all it took. Even if you went to Moab, return. He's right there. Please don't get to the point where you believe God is against you. The truth is God does love you greatly. Much more than what you realize. Don't let the struggles of this sin-cursed earth change what you know to be true about God. Don't forget, God is good. He is. Even when you can't see it, He is. So when you can't see it, then the solution is simple as this. Trust Him in it. That's what you do. God, I don't understand this. You've heard me tell, I'm not getting into it now. It's not, it's not on my notes or anything like that. But we arrived in New Guinea and all the ridiculous hardship we faced that I never, ever, ever saw coming. Ever. In that first six months. Many times telling God, I don't understand. I don't agree with any of this. Really, I wouldn't even understand it until several years later as to why he had us go through all that. Lastly, is God's sovereignty. Remember this. God is working even when you can't see it. Even during those times when life is hitting you hard, understand God is great at taking something that we looked at even last week that was meant for evil and turning it into something good. The Lord Jesus Christ holds when he was on on the earth. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. Those are things the reed was used as a a tool of measurement, and of course it was broken. They consider it useless, and the same thing with the flax. They would just throw that away. He's saying, what you think that can no longer be used, I'll still use it. I'm not done with it. God is working even when you can't see it. Let's look at this in our text. Look at verse 14. The last few words of verse 14 is where Naomi had no clue, but God was working. Ruth clave unto her. Even though she's already made the false charge against God being against her. God in His grace, knowing she's flesh, knowing she has a sin nature, she still has something in place for her. Ruth. Ruth clave unto her. Naomi speaks to her in verse 15. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And then we have the key verse of the entire book. Verse 16. 
And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And Ruth stayed with Naomi, both of them going into Bethlehem. Naomi had pleaded for her daughter-in-law to return. But Ruth clave unto her. Naomi didn't see it at the time. As she goes into Bethlehem, she still proclaims unto them that God is against her. Bitterness setting in. But God is already working. God is working behind the scenes in all that's taking place with all the tragedy that has happened. God is arranging in such an amazing way for Ruth to find this kinsman redeemer named Boaz. It's an amazing story. Naomi can't see it yet, but God's sovereignty is still there. God is still in control. God is still working. Little does Naomi know that God will use Ruth to turn her ashes into beauty, to turn her bitterness back into beauty. Listen, faith faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There are many times, many times, That you can't see God's sovereignty at work. You have to trust it. You have to know, I don't don't see how, but I know God is working. Maybe those of you who are older, you can look back at the times in your life. You can look back and in those moments you didn't recognize it, but you can actually see where God was working. One of those moments you didn't recognize it. I remember that uh, the moment that comes to my mind immediately with that was when I got those orders to Korean Air Force, that remote assignment. Oh my goodness, I did not see God in that at all. I wanted out of the Air Force, I'm paid staff at a church, I'm done. And now I get a 12 month assignment that I cannot get rid of. Tried every avenue. I would. I had such an unsettled time, you know, sleepless nights, thinking on this thing, trying all these efforts to thwart this. Yet my answer was simply, I didn't realize the answer until I arrived there and, and going through the, the, the church was memorizing verse in the very first verse, Isaiah 26, 3. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Do you know how much easier that year would have been in my life had I just trusted in the sovereignty of God? Of realizing that God is in control. Even in this. And think how God used that. The Lord knows I was ready to get out. And the Lord's like, wait, 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 this ain't happening. And God protecting me, knowing I wanted his will, but knowing I am too stupid to get it right myself, intervened. He puts me in Korea for a year with a missionary that's there. I end up on my own, not with a military sponsorship. I decided a month later to bring my family over on my own. So we spend the next 10 months of a family working with a missionary. Little did I know from that time in, what, seven years, I would be on the mission field. Do you know who knew that already? God did. 
So although I had my life set, I'm going to stay right here. I'm on staff. This is going to work out great. I like the area. Man, this is one of God's. That's not happening. Instead of trusting him in it. You say, but you don't understand. I'm dealing with something different. I'm dealing with a sinful situation. Elimelech basically turned from God to go to Moab. God still worked. His grace was still there. Trust him. It's important how we respond to these situations. It's where faith is more of a reality and not just simply a term we use for religion. Faith to trust God even when you don't understand. Faith that you don't choose to forget God. And those moments hit, that in those moments it's so important you just don't try and take things into your own hands. Go to the Lord. Seek wisdom and direction. Trust Him. Trust Him. Even when it appears everything is against you, you just have to stay the course and trust in the Lord. Know that God is good. He is. He's good. Don't forget that. Don't let the devil steal that knowledge. Don't blame God. Go to Him. And know that He is in control. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask this question as we go into this time.